United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. What has been happening and what is about to happen in Syria? There are some important deadlines approaching, and we wanted to talk about the latest situation in Syria. Monia Kobian is Senior Policy Advisor at the U.S. Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at USIP, and Mona joins us. Mona, welcome back. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Talk about these upcoming deadlines. Well, so... um there has been uh, a demilitarization agreement in Idlib. This is the last remaining rebel stronghold in Syria. And earlier last month, there was fear that, that the Syrian regime backed by Russia was going to mount a major assault to take back this last piece of territory. Instead, at the last minute, Russia and Iran uh, and, and Turkey sorry, uh, negotiated an agreement to create a demilitarized zone. And so as part of that agreement, there are a couple of deadlines, one of which is today, uh, by which uh, heavy, all heavy weapons have to be withdrawn uh, from the territory, from that demilitarized zone. And it appears that that is happening. Um, the, more, the stickier, more difficult deadline is on October 15. On that date, all of the extremist elements, these are sort of al-Qaeda-affiliated uh, armed groups, are supposed to have been pulled out from that territory. Now, that's going to be a much more difficult uh, hurdle, I think, to cross. And so we'll have to see what happens. What do we make of this Turkey addition to the equation? I mean, we knew a lot about Russia's relationship with Syria, but what is, what is Turkey getting out of this? Well, Turkey is a, really a key regional stakeholder in this. They have a lot of influence over uh, a number of these armed groups that are in Idlib. And Idlib is a territory that directly borders Turkey. Turkey really has uh, two key interests in this. One is... Uh, they already host three and a half million Syrian refugees, and so they really are not interested in having any additional refugee flows in their country. So they're really looking to create some kind of a buffer uh, along their border with Syria. And the second issue has to do with the Kurds, who, who have territory uh, along that border, and Turkey really wants to prevent any sort of Kurdish entity on its southern flank. They consider the Kurds a rebel group in and of themselves, especially against Turkey, right? Well, I think the, the Turkey considers the Kurds an existential threat. They have longstanding mm -hmm. uh, issues with K Kurds in their own country, and so they've been deeply opposed to uh, the Kurdish sort of growing level of autonomy inside Syria. Additionally, uh, we saw the, the um, shooting down of a, a jet, um, a Russian aircraft. This was supposedly in response to an Israeli air assault. Moscow was blaming is Israel. So this is just ratcheting up tensions in surrounding countries, correct? No, absolutely. I mean, this is in some ways why I think Syria really remains one of the most dangerous areas in the world. And it's because there was an Israeli incursion into Syrian airspace. This has happened repeatedly over the last couple of years. And uh, the Syrians, in, in an effort to shoot down the Israeli jets, ended up actually shooting down a Russian, Russian plane. Now, the Russians are blaming the Israelis for this indirectly, saying that the Israelis sort of shielded themselves behind the Russian plane. Um, regardless, it, it, it has clearly ratcheted tensions, and in response, Russia has provided more advanced surface-to-air missile systems to uh, Damascus. And so this is just going to add one more complicating factor to an already very, very complex situation. 
Moni Yakovian with us, senior policy scholar at the U.S. Institute of Peace, updating Syria. Recently, I think the most recent comments on this, uh, the United States, both in the person of the National Security Advisor John Bolton and President Trump, had said that the U.S. would not be withdrawing from Syria as long as Iranian troops are outside Iranian borders. So they've now actually dragged Iran into this discussion, too. Is there any sense or uh, is there any clarity on what exactly the U.S. role is uh, or what it wants it to be relative to Syria right now? Well, I think the U.S. is starting to take a much more uh, forward-leaning position on Syria. So you referenced uh, National Security Advisor Bolton's remarks. Um, there is a U.S. small U.S. military presence on the ground in Syria. At one point, President Trump had talked about withdrawing those troops. Um, now it seems fairly clear that those troops are there to stay. They're special operations forces, at least for the foreseeable future. And I think we're seeing the U.S. Uh, take a more activist approach in terms of a new team being uh, uh, named to lead Syria policy in an effort to try and reinvigorate uh, the Geneva process and for the U.S. to really play uh, kind of a more active role on Syria. So, yes, I do think we're seeing a shift in that way. Usually President Trump puts it in the context of ISIS. Is that battle won or not? Uh you know, ISIS has been eliminated from 98% of the territory that it occupied, but I think the battle is still far from over. I think what we've learned is even once the, once the sort of military piece of the battle is won, uh, there's the efforts to, need to stabilize areas and to ensure that ISIS is not able to reemerge. Uh, we're also seeing evidence of um, ISIS sleeper cells emerging. There was one uh, that, was, uh, that was rolled up in Raqqa, in Syria recently. So uh, I think we're just probably heading into a new phase of conflict with ISIS, one in which perhaps if it's defeated militarily, it morphs into a fairly potent insurgency on the ground. And it seems like Bashar al-Assad is there for at least the foreseeable future in part because there's nothing that would take his place that's, that's, that, that we can easily see filling that void if he were somehow to be removed from office. I think that's true, and I think he's all, he also, of course, has the strong backing of Russia and Iran, which has really made all the difference in terms of uh, his ability to hold on to power, and there's no sign of either of them backing off from that anytime soon. And the refugee problem continues, right? I mean, people just have no place to live. They have It's struggling to get water, to get things to just survive the day. It does indeed, and I think what, what many people don't realize is that this year for Syria was the worst year in terms of internal displacement out of the now more than seven years of conflict in Syria. So the humanitarian crisis continues unabated uh, as the conflict rolls on. All right. Mona, thank you so much. It's not always a pretty picture, but it is a picture we need to see every once in a while. Mona Yacobian, thanks for being on POTUS today. Thank you so much for having me. Monia Kovian is the senior policy scholar, a senior policy scholar at the U.S. Institute of Peace, updating us today, as she does from time to time on hotspots, in this particular case, Syria, giving you a sense of how things are working or not in that country, and tweeting at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.